Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Okay, so first off, I want to tell a story about a tree. Stay with me. I know. <laughs> I can feel the thumbs on Facebook being like, oh, tree. I love trees. I used to work in uh, the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. We were in a youth development program and I was in uh, orientation one day and we were in, you know, the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum has like all this like plant stuff all over on the wall in the education center. And they had one of these um, giant like cuts of of a tree that was like hundreds of years old and then had fallen and they had like preserved it. And so you could see like this giant, I mean, like huge, huge, huge tree base. And we were talking, we were sitting in this room talking about like PR policy or something, you know, um, employee stuff. And I put my hand on this stump and all of a sudden I was like completely engrossed (laughs) in this log because I was running my hand over the grain of it. And I was thinking about like, look at how many hundreds of years are contained in this tree. I was, it's like my hand is going through time and space as I'm like looking at this tree. Like what are the things that you've seen? What are the wars that you have survived? How many people groups have you seen moving here and there and everywhere? What, oh my gosh, this tree. Meanwhile, I cut to my boss who's like, like it, my boss and the rest of the team who are like looking across the room and they're like, Tyler, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. this tree stump was really amazing to me because if you've ever seen a tree stump, like it's not like you get a new ring every year and it's always the same ring. It's that as the tree gets older, it kind of tells the story of that year in the ring. So if there wasn't a lot of water that year, if there was fire, if this tree ex- uh, experienced a lot of stress, uh, if it was in a growth spurt, if there was a giant uh, tree that had fallen and all of a sudden there was light available, like the, the rings tell the story, the history of the world is encoded in these rings of the tree. And I was just like freaking out, having like a mystical moment. <laughs> My boss is like, okay, so let's talk about um, HR policy. <laughs> and it just makes me wonder, having survived the year that we just survived, you know, New City Church is in uh, physically in, in South Minneapolis, but we have folks who are joining us all over the world. Hello. And it just makes me think like if the last year of our lives were encoded into a ring, what would that look like? If our city had a history that was told through rings, what would that look like? Because I have a feeling that it would have a lot of stories to tell. I have a feeling we would remember Lake Street and how Lake Street shops boarded up in a matter of hours, how everyone was freaking out. I have a feeling we would tell stories about how neighbors in Powderhorn were advised to fill their bathtubs with water because they were being told that 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 the white supremacists who are coming to use Minneapolis as a rage room were about to bring the arson south. I have a feeling that the rings would tell us about the children who marched 
on behalf of George Floyd's daughter who said that we believe that there is a way to change the world. I have a feeling that it would tell about how neighbors who had never connected before started talking to each other. I have a feeling it would tell the story of how people of New City Church went door to door translating English to Spanish, uh, going through alleys to make sure that their neighborhood was safe, finding wood soaked in gasoline, finding banners with swastikas on it. The people of New City Church were part of the immune system of our city, and I have a feeling that that would show up in the ring of the tree. I have a feeling that this year is going to be with us for a really long time. And of course, this is more relevant than ever now that the Chauvin trial is going on. At the point of this recording, there is yet to be a decision made on the Chauvin trial, but we have heard the witnesses and the testimonies oh, about people who saw the racist murder of George Floyd um, happen up close. Uh, we heard about that um, mixed martial arts uh, fighter who, who says, I can recognize when the human body is in distress to the point of death. I can recognize what types of blows could cause death. And, and that was what was happening. I could see in Mr. Floyd's eyes, his eyes were, he, he said, it, his eyes looked like the eyes of a fish in a bag. Those stories are part of our history now. And we, and we heard the story about Christopher Martin, the 19 year old, young man who is working in the in the uh, cash register at Cup Foods, the, the shop where all of this happened, and how he had suspected that Floyd was paying with a, a, a counterfeit $20 bill. And, and that kind of led to the chain of events of him calling his manager, his manager talking to another employee, eventually the police were called and then this. And in his testimony, uh, uh, the uh, amount of deep shame and regret that he expressed of like, well, maybe this would have been different for me. Remember the story of Christopher Martin walking onto the street and walking over to another black witness seeing this happen, saying, they're not gonna help him. This is what we have to deal with. This is what we have to deal with. Because no matter what happens in our history, no matter how the ring is formed, there's no way to erase that. Once it is in us, once it is part of our story, there, there, that's what we have to deal with. It is in front of us now. And I wish I could be the pastor who strides up confidently to the pulpit and says, Jesus is alive. And that means that you don't have to think about the hardship of the world anymore. Jesus is alive. And that means that we don't need to concern ourselves with who is being crucified today. Jesus is alive. And therefore, we don't have to worry about trauma healing. We don't have to worry about community organizing. We don't have to worry about continuing to push systems because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive in you and that's it. That's the end of the story. I wish I could talk to Christopher Martin and say that the spear of guilt that he feels in his side for putting into motion a completely innocent series of events that, that because of the corruption of systems and because of the brutality of white supremacy and the way that this 
is embedded and encoded in, in our society that it led to something so painful. I wish I could, I wish I could, I wish I could just say that that spear is gone, that that wound won't be there anymore. Jesus is alive and we're all just going to be perfect little, little, uh, harmless, woundless models who are just going to be able to romp on the beach and pick flowers in the meadow. But that's not the story of Christianity, is it? We read that when Jesus comes back, that um, he still had scars. He still had wounds. Imagine Thomas, who was going through some of his own stuff, definitely, saying, uh, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive again until I could put my fingers in the wounds of my Savior. And Jesus came back and said, they're still here. I still got them. Imagine Thomas as he's putting his finger into the wound of his savior, realizing two things. One, that Jesus truly is alive again. The resurrection is real. The promise of God is being fulfilled. And two, that that resurrection doesn't mean that the hard stuff of our life is erased and we can just forget about it. The resurrection is an amnesia. The resurrection is more like amniotic fluid that we are in, that we are nourished by, that we grow in, that we are held in, but it doesn't mean that we forget our past completely. It doesn't mean that we start like, like it was day one. There is a sense of being born again, but <laughs> it's like, that doesn't mean that you forget where you came from. It doesn't mean that you forget what we have to deal with as a planet and what the most marginalized folks in our community, what black and indigenous folks, what trans folks, what undocumented folks have to deal with in an everyday kind of way. It doesn't erase that. There is not, in that regard, Christianity is a terrible religion for escapism. If you want to escape if you want to just like be in this little like bliss bubble where there's just clouds and nothing else, like following Jesus is going to be a really rough disappointment for you because Jesus isn't an escape artist. Jesus is a resurrectionist. Jesus looks at the world and says, I believe that the conditions of life are possible again, even after the greatest evil of humanity has scarred the land. I believe that it is possible. And I suppose for Thomas, sometimes it feels like with any difficult emotion, and I'm saying this pastorally specifically for the folks in the Twin Cities, sometimes difficult emotions feel like they're our whole existence, that it's the whole worldview, like our fear, our trauma, our deep pain, how we feel when we consider that there might be helicopters in the sky again, how we feel when we have to consider filling up our bathtubs again. Sometimes those emotions are so big that it feels like the whole world. It feels like that is, that's it. it. It tries to convince you that the only thing that you have to wake up for is fear. And of course, that's that emotion's job. The emotion's job is to say, if you're in danger, it's my job to tell you that you're in danger. And in the last year, we experienced like, ex we witnessed and experienced like existential danger, like on a social level. So like, of course, there's going to be big feelings with that. 
Of course, there's going to be warning signals going off. But I believe that part of how we can practice living into the resurrection is still holding on to that cord of faith that promises us that even when it feels like everything is over, that there is another end to the story that God is inviting us to. There is another way for us to relate to the world. There is another way for us to get out of bed. And it's not just about letting fear rule our lives. It's not just about letting trauma uh, go unbridled. But there are ways that we can live in the world that confront with the power of the resurrection, the courage of the resurrection, the very things that we are most afraid of. Jesus walked by some Roman soldiers on his way out of the tomb. And I believe that there are ways that the people of the Twin Cities are being called to raise and walk out even amongst Roman soldiers. And by the way, this isn't just a Twin City specific thing, because as it turns out, there are a couple of traumatic things that have happened uh, nationally in this past year. Certainly the pandemic, but also the insurrection and also like lots of vitriol around the election and also like the rise of QAnon and also white supremacy and also like just like this like blatant uh, violence against Asian Americans and Asian American elders. Like there's like, there's like layers to this, right? Like there's stacks on stacks of the trauma and sometimes the trauma stacks so much that it tries to tell you that this is your story. This is your history. These are the rings of your tree. This is, this is what it means to be alive. It's just pain upon pain. And I believe that the resurrection offers an alternative story. I believe that the resurrection says, um, fear, thank you for doing your job. It is time to plant the garden. Because in Revelation, and remember that this is the conclusion of our Revelation sermon series, we see a vision from John of a new city, and that's where our reading was from. And <laughs> I am just obsessed with this image, because imagine John, John, who has spent his entire book of Revelation as a diatribe against the Roman Empire, employing every shade fairy from the Old Testament, every poetic image that he can, mashing it together, lighting it on fire, and lobbing it into the Roman Empire. Like, this is John really saying there is um, a, a fundamental injustice in our society where, where folks who are proclaiming the liberating love of God are being forced to bend to the economic and political will of Caesar. We must resist this. And John, and John comes up with images of, of a throne and the, the Paschal Lamb and a beast with lots of crowns and a dragon. And he says, we got to deal with all of this because even after we figure out what to do with the Roman Empire, we still got the dragon around, you know? <laughs> it's like the Roman Empire was uh, possessed by, this is kind of going back to Heidi's sermon a couple weeks ago, there is a collective emotion and the Roman Empire is possessed by this drive towards domination and control and is killing Christians. But even after we get done with the Roman Empire, what are we going to do with the dragon? What are we going to do with the collective emotion that still can dwell within the human heart? How are we going to offer an alternative? 
So there's John seeing all of these things, writing all of these things, praying deeply to God, being in community about all of this. And he concludes his text with an image of a garden city. He, of all people, has all the rights to say, like, I, like, he was writing from prison, right? He was, like, he has all the rights to be alone in his room, double snuggy, uh, he, space heater, Netflix, on repeat, autoplay. He had the choice to numb out, and he would have been entitled to it for all the things that John saw. But he decides that through his relationship with God, that there is a different history that we can create. Through his encounter with God, he sees that the will of God is for a garden city. Can you imagine God looking down at Minneapolis, seeing Lake Street on fire, Lake of Fire, Lake Street is on fire, looking down at all of this and God saying, I wish I could tell folks that there is a garden city coming up, that there is going to be a tree planted on Lake Street with leaves for the healing of all nations. I wonder if God could lean down and tell you about the river of life that will flow through our city. If, if you knew that, how that would change the story of how you understand this past year. God is showing that there is, there is a vision for us to be able to move in conjunction with the planet into a new type of society. This is something that scholars are very uh, keen to point out, that, that heaven comes down to earth, that in, in the vision in Revelation, which is poetic and there is lots of symbolism, that, that, that the souls aren't evacuated out to heaven. It's not like this escape plan, again, it's not an escapist plan, but that heaven comes down to earth. God like moves into the neighborhood in a whole new way. And, and then all of our city planning is built off of and centered on liberating love. And that's the vision of Revelation, that, that there is a continuation of who we are. And I know that for our difficult emotions, sometimes we, a, a little part of us just wishes that we can get sucked up and into heaven and then not have to think about all of this. But I think that the offer of revelation is a much more spiritually mature vision that says, God doesn't make all new things. God makes all things new. God isn't going to replace everything with shiny new versions of everything. God is going to look at the brokenness of the world and say, I believe that we can renew, that we can polish up, that we can compost together all of these things to be able to create a new vision of the world where men have as much breath as they want, where women can walk down the street wearing whatever they want in complete safety, where trans and non-binary people have health care. Like, I'm just, I'm just riffing here. Like, there's a vision of God that's saying we can, we can renew what is with us. There's still materials to work with, but your fear will never allow you to see that. Your fear will never allow you to see the potential of what can happen from the harm, from the wounds, because your fear's only job is to get you the heck out of there. And there is a risk 
to see resurrection in a burning city. It requires a vulnerability. It requires a showing up. It requires community in pr spiritual practice together to say we are insisting on having a garden vision for our city that is actively burning down. And it is that risk that Jesus is inviting us to now and always. It is that risk that Jesus... <laughs> looked to his disciples and said, I want to make every person who feels like a fish in a bag to be able to swim free in the river of life that goes miles, that they can go anywhere they so choose. I want all of God's creatures to feel right relationship with each other. In one of the accounts of uh, the resurrection, Mary mistakes Jesus for a gardener. But I can't help but wonder if, if it was a mistake or if it was a prophecy. If Mary knew, looking at this guy, like, Jesus is going to be our gardener. Jesus is going to create new life into broken down and burned down cities. Jesus is going to find a way for us to reimagine public safety so that we don't have to deal with these situations. We don't have to uh, uh, have folks murdered in, in racistly in, in, on the streets. And even we can imagine a system that would be good news even for police officers, even for people who are being set up to relate to people in such a way that inevitably results in certain acts of violence. I believe that we can imagine a new way. I believe that the resurrection is possible and that Jesus wasn't kidding when he says that he will make all things new. I believe, like Mary, that Jesus is our gardener. And our job right now is to take all of the compost, all of the broken stuff, all of the pain and grief, and carry it over to the sacred compost pile of the altar of God. I believe that that is hard work and lifelong work, that some of our composting will require the strong arms of aeration and prayer and breath. I believe that racial healing is going to take at least 400 years because after all, it took 400 years to get there. But Jesus, similar to these elder trees, are not afraid of the long haul. Jesus says, I, I promise to you that you can be part of a movement of new life in the world. That doesn't mean that you get to forget what went behind you, and it doesn't mean that you will find a simple solution uh, on your own timeline. But there is a vision, there is progress, there is a long-term plan for God in this world for all things to be made new again. And, and stepping into faith in Jesus means that we can live as resurrection people, daring to believe that even when our fear, even when supremacy, even when the most violent odds are against us, that there is still a way to embody God's love in the world. We can, we can abolish evil. We can abolish the empire. And we can find a new way in our garden city. May it be so this Easter, and may it be so every Easter. Amen.